You're listening to the Gluten-Free Guide Podcast with your hosts, Vanessa Weisbrod and Emily Friedner. Welcome to the Gluten-Free Guide Podcast. I'm Vanessa Weisbrod coming to you from the Celiac Disease Program at Children's National Health System. I'd like to start out today by saying a huge thank you to the Walter and Jean Boat Global Autoimmune Institute for their ongoing support and partnership to make this podcast possible. So today's podcast is about a delicious topic, gluten-free baking. When you're first diagnosed with celiac disease, it's easy to think that gone are the days of making incredibly delicious baked goods. But I know that our guest today is going to prove that wrong and teach us a little bit about incorporating good-for-you ingredients into the treats that we eat. I'm so excited to welcome Jamie Mertz from the Red Bandana Bakery into the studio. Jamie's philosophy about baking is actually quite remarkable. She's passionate about baking food that not only tastes great, but is also good for your body as it is for your soul. Welcome, Jamie. We're so happy to have you. Thank you for having me. It's great to be here. So, Jamie, to start off, uh, we've all heard about your bakery's grand opening in Bethesda, and I know that this is a really long time coming. So can you tell us a little bit about your journey to get there? Yes, it has been a long time coming. We were under construction for about a year and a half here in this space. But before that, uh, we were baking and selling custom cakes and selling at farmer's markets for about four years. Um, We started the website in August 2013 and started selling at the Bethesda Farmer's Market in 2014. Um, I went to culinary school in 2011 and always kind of knew I wanted to bake a little bit healthier. And then finally, when they put my brother on a gluten-free, casein-free diet um, for autism to treat some symptoms of that, I started baking gluten-free. So the more celiac customers I had at the market and For the custom cakes, the more I realized that we had to dedicate the whole kitchen to a gluten-free facility to avoid cross-contamination. Wow, that's absolutely amazing. And, you know, there's so many bakeries out there that make gluten-free foods but not in a dedicated space. And you're always, you know, can I really eat this? And, like, might I get sick later on? So it's just really nice to know that you have a space that's totally gluten-free and that we can eat anything we want when we go there. Yeah, it's very gratifying to see people's appreciation of that it just makes everything simpler training staff and in talking to customers everything is safe nothing has touched anything that has touched gluten that's so wonderful so were you always really into baking as a kid or when did when did you start when did you know that you wanted to be a baker uh sort of I've always loved the way I like to put it is I've always loved making things so mm-hmm. when I was in college, I was a, a fine arts major, but that's a, a longer process. For a baker, you get to make lots of things every day. So um, that's what made me decide to go to culinary school after that um, and just focus on pastry arts in particular instead of just cooking in general because with baked goods, that's more the celebratory side of the kitchen and everything that you're baking a birthday cake isn't because you need to eat to live. It's because you need to celebrate. It's fun. That's so true. So Jamie, how on earth do you make things taste good and also be good for you? (laughs) Well, not everything that we make tastes good. There's a lot of trial and error, but um, we taste everything and we work on everything and we try to focus on naturally gluten-free recipes that, a big part of it um, are cheesy breads and our flourless chocolate cakes and our meringue cookies, for example, are recipes that people have been making for 
you know, centuries and many generations that didn't always, we didn't always rely on gluten and that's not a part of every cuisine and every recipe. And um, just focusing on things that with real foods that naturally taste good. A lot of fruit, a lot of whole grains, a lot of um, just natural foods that people have been eating for a long time. It's not rocket science, it's just cooking. And things that are naturally available in the world that are also good to right. to be good for you. <laughs> um, right. So in your baked goods, what types of flours and grains do you typically use? Cakes are simple because I think a lot of people don't realize you actually don't want a lot of gluten in your cakes. Um, if you were to go to the store and you could tolerate gluten and you could tolerate wheat, you would buy a cake flour, which would be low in gluten because gluten makes it tough. So we base our flour blend for cakes on the America's Test Kitchen blend, which is rice flour, brown rice flour, potato starch, and tapioca starch. Um, mm-hmm. We also make something a little bit richer and heartier. Um, we also want to make grain-free. We have a lot of customers who are also following a paleo or Whole30 diet. So for those, we use things like uh, almond flour or a coconut flour, and those are a little bit richer. They add some flavor, um, and they would be a little bit too heavy for a cake, but definitely have a lot of good flavor and are great for like a paleo apple pie bar or like make a paleo pale turmeric loaf bread, which is great. And then finally, instant greens. Um, something I kind of touched on earlier. There's a lot of whole grains, but don't have a lot of gluten in them because the way that people grew grains a thousand years ago was different from our food today. So like sorghum or millet are really good for breads and um, savory items. We carry a really good vegan superfood bread that we actually get from Rise Bakery. We don't make it here because they have it down so perfectly, and that's really good for our avocado toast sandwiches. It is quite delicious. Do you mm-hmm. have a favorite flour that's like your go-to one, or do you always use a blend? I can't say that for any recipe I've ever made. You can just go to one flour. Almond flour is great for like uh, breading something, um, but it's not. You're not going to be able to translate it into making a cake or a cookie. You've got to have blend a couple different. I think that's great. And how about sweeteners? What types of sweeteners do you use? Well, I always feel like it depends a lot on your body. Personally, I don't have any sensitivity to fructose, so I like the natural sweetness of fruit to make things sweetened with dates, for example. Um, mm-hmm. And a lot of our, you know, pies or bars um, depend on the like apples, applesauce, a lot of people know. Uh, our vegan fruit muffins are primarily the fruit that they taste like, either banana or apple or pear or peach or pumpkin. It all depends on what's seasonal. Um, and then spices complement that flavor, like cinnamon. A lot of people think cinnamon tastes sweet, but it's just a, a psychological thing. I think you always have it with sweet things, so that adds some some sweetness to the total overall perception. Um, and then some people do have sensitivities to fructose, so we can bake with um, different sweeteners to cater to their. I know, like grade B organic maple syrup um, is good for diabetics. Um, we make a healthier carrot cake with that. That's great. Can If people make special orders with you, can they ask for a certain type of sugar to be used in their um, special order? Yes. So we can do pretty much anything. If you give us at least 48 hours, I do, if somebody asks for something I've never used before, I ask for a lot more time than that, obviously, because I don't want to 
sell them something that we've never made before. I want to make sure we come up with a recipe that works, but we can definitely work with a variety of different sweeteners. We've made cakes with stevia. We've made cakes with Splenda. Whatever your doctor recommends for you, we will figure out a formula to make it work. That's such a great thing you can do. So now, when you first started making gluten-free baked goods, how hard was it? And is it still hard for you today? Uh, it's not, I wouldn't say it's super easy, but it really depends on the item. Um, I definitely had a lot of not great uh, recipes and a lot of mistakes in the beginning. It got easier, for sure. Um, but I've definitely learned that there are some things that are just more forgiving than others. Um, like I mentioned, the cakes are, are not meant to be high gluten. So once blend down, it's an easy thing to do. Breads, I will tell you, are still hard for us. We can do like a simple like Italian bread, like a, a loaf bread for sandwiches, and we do mm -hmm. really nice pasta bread and um, like our cheesy breads. I love so. But like if you wanted like a crusty baguette or like a bagel, that is that is just tough because somebody's got to come up with the science to come up with that protein that makes things chewy like that. That's a little yes. bit more difficult. I was in a grocery store a few weeks ago, and I saw a package for a new bagel. And the marketing for it was just like a real New York bagel, but gluten-free. And so mm -hmm. I bought it. And it was like $8 for four bagels. And I was like, okay, uh -huh. this must be really good. <laughs> and it was, in, it was a box in a bag. So you couldn't really tell how big they were from the packaging. And when I got mm -hmm. home, I opened them, and it was teensy tiny, and they were super dense, not chewy at all. Um, and I said, oh, I don't think these people have ever actually tried, like, a New York bagel. <laughs> yeah. Maybe that's why. <laughs> <laughs> um, so the holidays are coming up, and I know you guys have lots of options. Can you tell our listeners what types of holiday treats and pies and those types of things they can get from you guys? Yeah, of course. We are really featuring the Yule Logs. Those are a lot of fun, and you can pick your flavors um, with the meringue mushrooms, and you can pick your colors, and if you want a message on the cake. Um, we're also doing assortments of cookies, as always, coconut macaroons and chocolate chip cookies and um, little meringue Christmas trees. And then, of course, the same pies. We had a, a great turnout for our Thanksgiving pies, so we're doing the same pies that we did then, um, pumpkin, apple, pecan and sweet potato for the sweet side and then we also do savory spicy kale pies and acorn squash pies wow that's an awful lot of pies to choose from it's a lot of pies <laughs> so how far in advance do people need to order and to get them for christmas so if you wanted to pick up on christmas eve we're cutting orders off this is believe it was a sunday so we're cutting orders off that wednesday um, for the entire month of December, it'll be our normal schedule. If you can just order 48 hours in advance, um, but that, you know, final weekend is a little bit busy. So if you can get your order in by Wednesday, other than that, we will have extra pies in the shop, but they're coming on a first come first serve basis. Cut it. So now if people are bakers themselves and they do enjoy baking, we have a lot of people who listen that are, are newly diagnosed or their children are newly diagnosed. And something that we hear all the time is that they love to bake, but they just can't wrap their head around doing it gluten-free. What advice do you have for them to help them with converting their favorite recipes? Um, so I would say you can't usually just 
substitute in gluten-free flour. I know there are a lot of flour blends out there that would like to tell you it's cup for cup. It'll work just fine. Um, I have not had a lot of success with that, but don't let that discourage you. Um, I would say that a lot of gluten-free baked goods are, they need to be a little bit lighter um, in the dough or in the batter than you would expect a typical dough to be. Like breads, you think a bread you can knead on the counter. Well, the bread dough for gluten-free breads is going to be a little bit more pourable, more so than kneadable. Um, you need more eggs and you need just like more liquid to make the dough rise and not be super tough. Like you're talking about those bagels. Yeah. Um, I would say if you are a first time gluten-free baker, cookies are probably a good place to start. They tend to be a little bit more forgiving. And the fact of the matter is with like a chocolate chip cookie, it's butter and it's sugar and it's, the flour doesn't matter that much. It's butter and sugar and it's chocolate chips. So it's going to turn out all right. That, that is definitely good advice. Cookies, are, I, I agree, are definitely the easiest uh, things to make. Mm-hmm. So one other thing I just want to point out before we let you go for today, and something that I've learned about you over, over the years, um, for those of you who don't know, um, I've been working with Jamie since right after she got the Bread Bandana Bakery going, and it's been such a joy to see you, you grow and now have this beautiful storefront. Um, but something that I've always been really impressed with is just your ability to be okay with managing different people's food sensitivities, even beyond just gluten-free. Um, so was it your brother that inspired you to really be accommodating to everybody or, you know, how do you do this um, for so many people in such like a wonderful way? Because it's not something that you see at lots of other bakeries. Yeah, it was my brother and also like my grandma had cancer. And so she went through chemo and her doctors told her that she wasn't allowed to have sugar and then she wasn't allowed to have this sweetener. And this was the best one for her, blah, blah, blah. And I really just think there's a lot of diet trends out there and a lot of people that will tell you this is the best diet for everyone. I think the fact of the matter is there's a, there's probably an optimized diet for each individual person. Mm -hmm. Um, So we try to kind of appreciate that and work with that. And just because what's good for you isn't good for me doesn't mean I can't make something for you, you know? Absolutely. So We've, we decided to go totally gluten-free and totally peanut-free because we don't want to mess with that. We don't want any cross-contamination with any of that. But when it comes to sweeteners and when it comes to do you prefer almond milk or do you prefer coconut milk, whatever works the best for you is something that we can do. That's really wonderful, Jamie. Thank you for doing that for the community. I know I appreciate it and so many others do too. So, Jamie, I want to appreciate thank you so much for joining us today. And this was such wonderful information. And to all of our listeners, um, please check out the Red Bandana Bakery's website at redbandanabakery.com. And I hope you enjoyed today's podcast. And we will talk to you again next time. <laughs> <laughs>